Hey, welcome to the Remo Tlale Life and Faith Podcast, a long-form podcast designed to help you thrive in your life as well as in your faith. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, man, I'm super grateful that you have taken time out of your day uh, to either multitask and listen while you drive or do dishes or go on a workout, uh, or to actually just, you know, focus and have time spent listening to this podcast. It's uh, truly an honor that you do that, and I really do appreciate it. Uh, today, I'm super excited. Uh, we have uh, an incredible uh, young lady. I, I don't have the pleasure of knowing her a long time personally, uh, but everyone I've spoken to who's been, inter- who's been able to interact with uh, Kayla has just been super, super um complimentary of her. So I'm very excited to hopefully get to know her today and for all of us to be able to journey with her and her story. So Kayla, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Remo. Thanks for having me. And yeah, excited to be here. Uh, Can you give us kind of a brief uh, picture of who you are, Kayla, before we kind of dive into the the questions? Sure. Um, Brief, yeah. So my name is Kayla Haley. it's interesting because usually it's spelled K-A-L-A-H, and so a lot of times folks will call me Kala, and by the end of a, by the end of a meeting, they kind of blend my first and last name, and so it ends up being Kaylee. So, uh, but it is Kayla, and um, yeah, so I um, am uh, from Denver, Colorado, uh, in the U.S. Um, my family on my mom's side is actually South African, so... Um, I was actually just out there uh, in January earlier this year uh, to spend some time, have Christmas and spend some time with my, my grandparents out there. Um, but yeah, I uh, grew up in the church here in Denver, um, was baptized as a teen at 14. Um, I've been a disciple for 13 years, which is crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a, uh, I studied, I studied a, uh, Biology. When I was in school, I went to Spelman College. Um, I actually did not finish my degree. I'm like one class away from having my degree. But I came home from school in 2015 and knew that I really wanted to start a business. And uh, to my parents' demise and everyone else at church, um, you know, I started that business and it struggled the first couple of years and God's been very gracious and it's continued to grow um, each year since then. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about me and I'm sure we'll probably talk about some other things as well, but that's just a good first little intro, I guess. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, that does, I kind of put some things uh, out on the map there that we can, we can definitely dive into. Mm. Um, and it's super cool to hear that you were, you know, you, you were even here again. I think I met you once uh, you had come through South Africa before. Um, Maybe it was oh, 2015. Yes, probably actually. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds about right. A couple of years ago, yeah. So that was my graduation had, gift cool. from college. Uh, quote unquote. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people <laughs> can't see it. Doing the air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay, that's that's super cool. Um, and I, you know, South Africa is my favorite country. So anytime get to meet anybody with some links and heritage to this country. It's, uh, it's super cool. Yes. Uh, but like you said, you kind of grew up in the church, uh, and we want to start there. We love to hear people's stories here on the podcast, just because uh, there's so much stuff there that we can relate to, but also just to hear how people came to to be who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you kind of give us a backdrop of your family? You know, you're an only child, one of seven, you know, everything in between where you grew up. And then uh, those early years of being a kingdom kid, like what was kind of some of the shaping things about about being a child who's growing up in the church? Yeah, so um, my parents, so my mom actually had me um, pretty early on. And so I, I actually was born in um, Sacramento, California, where so my mom's, my mom's uh, parents, my grandfather, um, Andrew Pepetta, is South African, born in Cape Town. My, my my grandmother, she's actually American, so she was born in Georgia. And so um, for your audience, there uh, was a point in U.S. history in like the mid-1900s um, where, or 19, I think it was like 50s or 60s, when there's a great migration west for a lot of uh, African-American families who were in the south and moved to the west. And so a lot of, pretty much all of our family now is in California. 
And so uh, my mom, she actually finished high school in uh, Kenya um, and then moved to the U.S. for college. Uh, and then a few years later, she um, was pregnant with me. And that's actually when she, uh, it was around that time or during that time that she was pregnant with me that she uh, was reached out to on campus, um, studied the Bible, and then got baptized with me as she was, or she got baptized as she was pregnant with me. Um, oh, wow. And so I was joke. I'm like, I always got dunked twice. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, so then she, you know, about two year, a year and a half, two years later, my dad, who who wasn't my dad at the time, but he um, came. He he'd been a he'd been a disciple here in Denver, and uh, went on a business trip to Sacramento. Saw my mom at church and was like, that one, and. <laughs> Uh, he didn't realize that he was getting a two for one deal at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, very shortly after we moved to Denver and they got married. So, you know, all that to say that, you know, it's, it's just kind of cool to see how God kind of, even before my story really kind of got started, how they, he had already kind of crafted, um, a story and, had, you know, um, my dad had actually adopted me when I was, because I still had my, my mom's maiden name, Pepeta. And so at 12, my dad adopted me. And that's when I my last name changed to Haley. Um, and so I have two younger sisters. I'm the oldest of three. Um, and so Raina is 20, 22. And then Lexi is 14. Um, she's the tallest out of all of us, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, growing up in the church, so I, you know, I absolutely love God. Like, I think from a very young age, um, like <laughs> I remember at like 12 and 13, I was like, I want to study the Bible. Let me, my mom was like, no, you need to like figure out what your sins are first. Like you need to like really get in touch with who you, what your, what your sinful nature is. And so, um, you know, I, uh, Starting, I think, at around 14 when I was in high school, I started doing, you know, some Bible studies and um, really did get a chance to discover, uh, you know, what kind of, what, what my humanistic nature really is. Um, and so I got in touch with that. <laughs> and uh, it was cool, though, because it was, um, you know, I went to a, a, a pretty big public high school here in Denver, like a really well-known old school that's been around for a long time. And I was really good at sports and I love playing sports. And I think that was probably my way to really fit in because I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't a, a, a like a, a bad kid. I, I, I was very respectful. I was really, I did really well with academics. Um, you know, I, when other kids would kind of act out, I would always be the one that, I was a bit of a teacher's pet, you know, I was always like, hey guys, let's not do this, you know, like, let's, let's make sure we're listening to the teacher, <laughs> so, um, and so that kind of, but it was like out of a genuine, it wasn't out of like a desire to want to be, um, you know, just a goody two-shoes, it really was out of a desire to like genuinely want to you know, be a good kid. And, but that was, that was a very thankless job with my peers. And, um, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of like bullying and kind of, um, you know, in some ways, I guess, like, as I could look back on it, a little bit of like maybe isolation of just not being, you know, a part of like the cool kids. And so I think as I got into high school and, I realized that like sports were like something that I was really good at. Um, it kind of gave me an in with the cooler kids without having to like stoop down to whatever behaviors I didn't see very good. Um, but within that, like as I did study the Bible, as I, you know, I was 14, I think, um, as I did study the Bible, it helps like it, it I, I did realize that the thing that I clung to a lot was my social standing because of how good at sports I was. And mm. so, um, yeah, so I think that was definitely one of the challenges that I came across. Um, 
as I, you know, had to kind of wrestle through some of my early um, shortcomings. Yeah. Okay. That's that's cool. That's that's such a cool story, and I love that you started before you were even born. Because I think, you know, the truth is that's that's how stories form, right? That's how God's story works. It's it's continually interwoven. I'm sure your mom could tell her story, and then your dad, and then. Like it could keep going back and back and back. Yeah. Uh, so, so I really appreciate that you started there. Um, and it's really cool to kind of hear that, you know, the, just your perspective on kind of having been a young girl, that like you were just like, man, I love God. Like, let, let me do this thing. You know, that you, you didn't have anything kind of holding you back or, uh, you know, that you weren't trying to go. Some of us, were, we were the kids who said, no, let me go explore some things and then I'll come to church uh, where you were, the, you were the other way around. Um, but you you've been a Christian now. You said thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so what is kind of the what is kind of the big uh, two questions? So before getting baptized, what were kind of the big standout things that you were like, man, I need to do this. Like th- this was eye opening or cut you to the heart or what have you that made you feel like, man, I must become a disciple. I must get baptized. I must follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jesus's sacrifice. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing, uh, I don't know. I think that for a lot of people, they can really wrestle with, uh, you know, the truth um, simply because it doesn't fit within their own narrative um, or it doesn't fit within how they want their life to look. Um, and so there's an active, like, campaign, internal campaign in your heart that's, like, refusing to accept and know and understand the truth um you know i'm really grateful uh that you know um my parents example ahead of me and it wasn't like you know i I learned very early on that my parents were not perfect (laughs) we had some like back and forth with that even and but i but i i liked really seeing how they actively lived out their faith and that they fought for it and so um I think that that, you know, to be honest, that was just a really helpful thing to see and witness was just how, you know, whether they had a little argument between themselves or whether they had some challenges or conflicts that they had to deal with in the church or whether, um, you know, how they dealt with their finances and, and, you know, just all these little things, um, how they shared grace with me when I would mess up, you know, um, all of these, in mercy, maybe more accurately. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, I just, I got to see Christianity lived out every day. And so it wasn't this, like, theoretical concept. It was something that was very much a part of my everyday life. Um, and I just knew, and I could see, you know, I could see the way that when you decided to do you know, things not in God's way, I could just see how that wasn't of a benefit, you know, to your life. And um, I just knew very early on, and I know that's maybe not as helpful, but I I was just very observant. I really paid attention to like how people's lives actually looked. And I was like, okay, I, I see, I'm not saying that that's perfect or that's exactly the way I would want, like, want my life to look, but it's definitely better than like, you know, you hear about these stories. I mean, literally just, I was listening to a YouTube, um, do you, do you watch Dave Ramsey? I do. And on his YouTube channel, there's the guy, uh, Chris Hogan. Um, and there was like a whole situation that just came out about, I don't know. it, It sounded like, like infidelity or something like that. I don't, I don't know exactly what the details are obviously, but like just these things that just keep coming out and it's like, man, like, just live your life honestly, like goodness yeah. gracious, like w- w- you know, I'd, I'd I'd much rather not have notoriety, and I'd much rather not have even you know. It's good to have financial security, but like, man, if you're doing it at the sake of your integrity and at this and 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 just living ultimately just living a lie, it's like, well, <laughs> what are you doing it for? So, yeah. um. I guess at like <laughs> 13, 14 years old, like you can see that. And to be honest, a lot of teens can. Like a lot yeah. of teens really see the truth. That's why they're so difficult to work with. Because <laughs> sure. they do see 
the truth and like they're like oh okay you're a hypocrite like <laughs> you know they're you can't really slide anything past them so I just paid attention and I and I and I really acknowledged the acknowledged the truth of like okay cool even when someone does mess up they have the conviction to confess and repent and um really strive towards righteousness cool that's yeah that's super helpful um because I think one on the on the side of like teens that might listen to this, but also for, for parents or people who influence. And I work with the teens right now in the, the church where I work, and it's like, man, you know, you've got to be like you say, real, and, and know that teens see this stuff. They they know what's going on. So uh, that that is super helpful. And it's I'm trying to picture like a 13 year old kid who understands this stuff. I'm like, man, you were, you must have been one of those kids who were ahead of their time. Um, but okay, let's. So that that happens at fourteen, and, and now you've been a disciple for thirteen years. Mm-hmm. So before we transition to kind of talking about the business and how all of that's gone, uh, what is kind of key big lessons that you've learned over the last thirteen years of following Jesus? Mm. Yeah. So you know, I, I mentioned earlier on about how. Um, so I went to a very expensive school. I went to a school called Spelman in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a historically black college, all women's yeah. institution. Um, okay. and, um, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, <laughs> coming out of high school and going into college, there's definitely like this excitement of like, oh man, like, what am I going to be when I get out of college? Like, what do I want to study? All these different things. And it was interesting because the culture, uh, in Atlanta is very much a, you know, um, we want to promote like black excellence and um people doing well in their careers and you know essentially like if if uh if being black in america is a brand we want to improve that brand by you coming out of our institution and 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 succeeding and so i studied biology because uh the culture at the time well it may be still the culture but the culture at the time was very much like either be a doctor or a lawyer uh, very much like a, the Cosby show. Um, and, you know, I kind of fell into that trap a bit of like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So I said biology. And um, as I mentioned, I didn't finish my degree. Um, I got stuck at organic chemistry to the lecture specifically. And, um, and I came home very disappointed, like, you know, my, my boyfriend at the time, uh, my parents, whole, all my family like flew out to Atlanta to come watch me graduate, and then I didn't actually graduate. And so it was very just like painful and embarrassing. And, um, and so I came home and just like super ashamed. And then everyone, obviously, since I grew up in the church here in Denver, was just kind of like, what did you do? <laughs> like, you know, essentially. And so it just, it was, it was a very painful experience. And Everywhere I went, everyone always asking me, when are you going to finish your degree? When are you going to finish your degree? Um, and so, and I knew at the time that I was going to pursue this this media business. And I didn't really know what it was at the time. But um, I basically started this podcast and it kind of grew and evolved into these different things. And, um, and then at one point, actually, when I... So in a period of like, in like six months, I didn't finish my degree from college, broke up with my boyfriend where, you know, the idea was for us to like move, we were long distance and move to the same city and probably get married or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a whole other conversation. Um, um, You know, um, got into the, I, I actually was asked to go into the full-time ministry um and then I got fired from the full-time ministry like six months later because actually in in you know as I was trying to finish up my degree there was just I had so much shame and embarrassment about where I was at that I actually lied to my parents about being done with school um and so um this is while I'm leading our youth and family ministry and so, so I get fired from the ministry, 
And after that, I'm just kind of like depressed, like really just like, wow, this is not a good time. And um, at that point, you know, I, I think the biggest lesson I, I remember starting to work with at this point now, I, you know, officially started St. Rock Media and, you know, had brought on, had been doing that for about two years. And I brought on this one client and we went to breakfast together one morning and I was actually just sharing this whole story with him and I uh, was very emotional about it and still just was, it was still a very raw, like, you know, experience for me. And so I'm like crying, eating a breakfast burrito, like in public, you know, and here I am with this client that I just brought on and I'm just like, why am I doing this right now? Um, But, you know, he said something pretty profound and he, it will never leave me, but he said, Keila, you just care more about what you think about you than what God thinks about you. And it like clicked. And I just was like, whoa, you're 100% right. And it was interesting because I think from that moment, it really helped me to realize, oh, snap. Like, in, you know, at a certain point, even before then, I had a really incredible moment where I was just really stuck for like two years, just really kind of, de- not kind of, I think very much depressed and just didn't have a good, didn't have really much of a direction. But I, uh, at a certain point, God made it very clear to me. He's like, Kayla, even if you don't finish your degree, you're still, I'm still with you. Um, I still have your back. And I, I really genuinely had felt like God was punishing me and that I wasn't going to be, you know, all of the efforts that I had were not going to be blessed. And that was really scary and painful. And like, well, okay, well, if I don't finish my degree, like, what will my life, what will come up my life? And um, so that had happened. And then a couple, you know, fast forward, I, I kind of had that little break, not little, that was a huge breakthrough for me. And then a few years later, I had this conversation where it's like, you care more about what you think than what God thinks of you. And, um, mm. I think that that was probably a very defining season and moment in my life and in my discipleship. Um, because it just kind of helped me to realize like, I don't know. It's it's weird because in our in our cultures, we're we're told to like from a worldly standpoint, we're told to um, you know succeed and do well in school, and there's a lot of emphasis on like yeah success. There is, but then yeah, in like as you're trying to be a disciple, there's this. It's almost contradictory to be honest. It's like you know. Oh, you know, way more than your worldly success, you should be caring about what God, you know, how, how, you know, how you, how you present before God. And so it was just kind of this confusing and it was just like, man, like wrestling with this dichotomy of like, obviously being excellent in all the things that I do, but also like not caring about the things that I do. Um, So that just was like a really important breakthrough, I think for me where, you know, it was a, god, a, a godly confidence of a couple years prior, and also then, um, also just like caring about nothing. I don't know if that makes sense, but not allowing things to yeah. mean that much. Sure. So it's like a really awful yeah, and that's, terrible that's balance. Profound. <laughs> no, it, it it is, and it's a tricky one. Right? And, and I think what what I'm I'm keen for now is to kind of hear uh, how do you do that? How do you develop that? Because I think there's a lot of young people who are in a similar space to you. Like maybe the degree hasn't gone the way that they wanted, you know, or, or maybe it, it they got the degree, but they actually I mean, you studied biology and you have a media company. Mm-hmm. Those aren't like synergistic kind of things. Now I'm sure there's lessons that that can correlate, but it's like man, that's you almost went left. You took a left turn, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, there has to be this level of man. I'm doing this, 
thing that God has put in my life for me to do is super important. But then on the other side, it is the conversation, the question mark around, hmm, but, but am I pouring my, my, am I getting my identity, am I getting my worth out of these things? And so mm-hmm. what would you say has helped you to kind of figure out, okay, how do I, how do I navigate both in terms of trying to be the best that I can be, but then at the same time knowing that, man, my truest best is actually, it lies in God and I, there's nothing I can do in an earthly manner to, to achieve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I was pursuing biology, you know, it was pursuing, you know, to be quite honest, when your parents put you in school, a big part of their motivation, and this is maybe an ugly truth, but I think it is a truth. There's a big part of, you know, when your parents are eager to put you through school, Yes, they care about your livelihood. Yes, they care about your development as an adult and all these different things. But to be honest, in a lot of ways, for a lot of parents, their children are their greatest trophy. Mm. And so having that perspective of understanding, like, your even your own parents, like, fa- uh, like their own flaws and realizing that, like, some of the things that they are projecting on you in terms of you being a great student and doing well in school and achieving a certain degree, sometimes it's not always a pure motivation of them just wanting the best for you, to be honest. Sometimes there's also a hint of them wanting to feel good about themselves as well. And so knowing that like, there's a really fine balance there, obviously, on your parents. Like, default, you know, just obey and honor your parents. Like, at the end of the day, just default to that. But, like, from a from your own, like, well-being and kind of, like, your own internal dialogue, I think it's good to understand kind of, like, that dynamic that does exist. Um, but as I kind of understood that and realized when, my, when I didn't finish my degree, <clears throat> obviously, you know, my parents are disappointed. But I also realized, too, that, like, okay, but, you know, interestingly enough, biology wasn't even really what I wanted to do. I was talented at it, yeah. you know, until I got to a point where I was no longer talented at it with the organic chemistry. And I didn't, and it, it, I guess it kind of showed that I just didn't like it enough. I, I didn't have enough of a passion to work hard enough to get through that class. Yeah. You know? And I think, like, in a lot of ways... I'm kind of grateful for that because what it did was it showed me that I was very, like literally what I was doing that my senior year of school, you know, and I, again, I don't advise this, um, but I really just wasn't going to class and I was trying to start a business. And I think I realized, you know, as I came home, I just was like, wow, that is what I'm passionate about. And this is like, media is really what I enjoy. And, you know, and so I think even when I had that like two year period where, you know, between trying to finish my degree, getting into the full-time ministry, getting fired, it like, in a way, it kind of, um, obviously it was really painful and that was also embarrassing again, but it just kind of, in a way, God just kind of like opened up these doors for me to almost like freely do what I, what he had put on my heart to do. Um, And it wasn't, it didn't look like it was honoring God. Like how my life, I guess at that point, it didn't look like it was honoring God. But the cool thing is that God takes honoring God, you know, he does that himself. And it's cool how he takes situations that don't look like it's making him look good. He's almost on the opposite side of sometimes how our parents are, where there's such this desire for your kid to look good so that you in turn look good. God almost used this like reverse, cool, I'm going to like use your not looking good (laughs) to like, and even me maybe not looking good. And turn that into yeah. something like, this is going to end up being great, which blows my mind. Yeah. That's it. I think that's so cool. And and I think you you started to touch on it, but I, I think that the journey kind of takes us then to okay, 
So life hasn't worked out the way that I thought it would. There's so much pressure from everybody. Everybody hoped it would go. And so, but I've found what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. I found this this company, this thing that I'm passionate about. Um, and so, so talk, talk me through it. I mean, you mentioned earlier that you started as a podcast and that kind of moved on. Um, I, you know, I did some research into what Central Media does, but it, it's quite cool to hear the genesis of it. So mm-hmm. where, where did it start and where is it kind of landed now? Yeah, so right after I got out of, um, yeah, I came home from college in 2015, that summer, um, I started a podcast called Girl Fight Talk. It's actually, it's still on YouTube, so you can actually find it. Um, and so what I did was I started interviewing um, well-known MMA, UFC personalities. And so I'm really into um, martial arts, MMA. I've been doing that since I was like 12. Um, and so, uh, and I saw the boom of media. Like it was around that time where I saw YouTube was really like, it, 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 was, it was really cool to see how people were building brands and companies and, um, and just having fun on YouTube. Um, and it, yeah. you know, and not taking it too seriously, but like, that's the only place I would really consume media at that point. And, um, and just like the volumes of information that are just available on YouTube and Google and stuff. So it, it really inspired me to start something on my own or of my own. And so I started Girl Fight Talk. And then my, my producer, um, Josh at the time, he, he was the guy who would help me like do the podcast and, and, and edit it and stuff like that. And he was like, you should probably start like a marketing agency. And I was like, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> and, and I just remember like, no. And then, um, and then shortly after, maybe a couple months later, I was like, I think I'm going to start an agency. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in 2017, I think it was, I started St. Rock Media. And the name comes from uh, the Apostle Peter. And um, I just love the spirit of Peter. Um, being a little bit of a wild child, um, but like loving God with reckless abandon and not that he didn't care about the consequences of some of the things that he did, but again, just there was a willingness, there was a willingness to just do and a willingness to obey. And, um, through that, like God blessed him tremendously. And, um, but also he was willing to kind of take his licks and like, um, be corrected and, and, and be, you know, and, and get course corrected. And so that's kind of the spirit in which I run St. Rock Media. So St. Rock right now is a, um, you know, in, in before COVID, yeah, it's almost like before and after COVID. So before COVID, we yeah. were doing marketing, digital marketing, Facebook ads, um, creative, really brand and storytelling. That's, I'm a brand strategist at heart. That's absolutely what I love. Um, and, you know, after COVID, I actually co-founded a, a studio in down, uh, a production studio in downtown Denver called Truce Media. And it was crazy to think that, like, essentially God was preparing us. This was summer of 2019, preparing us for COVID. And so we basically built this studio and... Um, in March, once everything kind of, in March of 2020, when everything shut down, we, uh, just like everyone, all the other businesses, we had to figure out how to run our businesses remotely. And yeah. so kind of all of this at the same time, it was, um, I guess, exactly this time last year, which is crazy. Um, we put on, my, my friend from college, from Morehouse, he puts on a, an event called Quarantine Con. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. And uh, it was on this platform called Hopin. And um, I woke up one morning. It was a Saturday. And uh, I'd see, before this, I had seen like our churches were just really struggling and really kind of, you know, I was, I was watching like our Sunday services 
and I was just like, whoa, these are, <laughs> these are a little bit rough, um, you know, with the church just trying to live stream, and um, I was just like, man, we're really in a position, my, between St. Rock and all the resources we have, we're really in a position to help, and so I um, attended my friend's conference, and then like that Saturday morning, I woke up. I the Holy Spirit like woke me up out of my sleep, and was like put on a conference, and so it was crazy because in like eight or nine days, I got like a whole roster of speakers, a couple like a handful of sponsors, media partners, um, put this conference together, and I was hoping I was like, man, God, it'd be crazy if we had like five hundred people show up to this thing and yeah. um you know we ended up having over 1300 people from 80 something countries attend this event and from then on it's just crazy to see wow. what all god has done since then we've done we've done um just within our fellowship of churches we we did um the singles conference we did the um the stronger conference we've done a number of campus ministry, um, retreats. Um, we've done like 20 weeks of, um, teen camps. We're actually getting ready to do some more this year. Um, we've done conferences for huge nonprofits and for huge startups and companies. Um, and yeah, so it's just, it's just really interesting how, um, I, I can, I can 100% trace all of what we've gone through in the last year back to the moment of almost exactly this time last year when the Holy Spirit was like, do this event, which is crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's super cool. So, so kind of from, you know, story, story branding and branding people and marketing them to, you know, putting on conferences and, and running things like team camp and uh, nonprofit get togethers. It's, uh, I know for me, like, you know, I, I was able to, to be in one of the team camp setups that you guys had done and was able to use some of your, you know, your platform. And I was like, wow, this is, this is otherworldly, <laughs> man. My brain, I don't have that in me, you know. So, so super grateful that, that people like you are out there. Um, and obviously the, the sense I get is that the company has done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe, you know, what, what did you say are some of the key things, the keys to success as the company's kind of boomed, even in a time like COVID? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, oh man, we went through a lot last year. Uh, we did over, we've done over a hundred events in the last year, uh, which is crazy. Um, you know, I'm like I said, I'm a I'm a brand strategist, so I'm always thinking about how to push things forward and what how to strategically position yourself to be um, a great partner for other organizations. So one of the first things that we did is I realized that, you know, when we did this event um, with the platform Hopin, um, I realized, I was like, it, it, all the pieces kind of made sense in my mind. I was like, oh, okay, I know how regular events work, right? You have a venue. Inside of that venue, you have the in-house AV company, right? That does, helps with all, like, all the productions for whether it's like the, the ballrooms or whatever spaces are in that venue. In my mind, I realized, I was like, oh, snap, um, St. Rock could be one of those AV partners for Hoppin's virtual platform. And so I actually helped yeah. to create and give the idea to Hoppin about that. And I was like, hey, I, I mentioned it to them before they even had that. That was like a, a plan for them. And so I think thinking ahead of where the market is at at any given moment. You don't have to think that far ahead. You just have to think a couple steps ahead, um, which is going to put you in a really good position to become a thought leader. Um, And not only a thought leader, but now you're actually executing. Like I said, we've done over a hundred events over the last year. Um, There are a lot of organizations that are in the event space that, you know, traditionally would do like live events that were just, to be honest, complaining um, that they weren't able to do what they normally do, which are live events, instead of innovating and getting with the program when they had the advantage, 
because they already had all these clients, they already have access to this technology, they already have the teams ready, ready to execute stuff, but they sat around feeling sorry for themselves instead of innovating and using what um, advantages they had, and they were slow to pivot. And so um, I think that, you know, um, looking at the things a couple of steps ahead, um, surrounding yourself with the right team, because um, there's no way that we could have done what we did last year and are going to do this year without having a really great team. Um, and so being, a, you know, having a really good eye for talent and a fit from a culture standpoint, someone can be really talented, yeah. but not necessarily have the right culture fit um, for what you're trying to do. Uh, and so our team, um, they are humble. Um, they're very serving, um, very hardworking and excellent. Um, and care a lot about the causes that we are supporting with, with putting on these events. Um, and so I think that a lot of how our, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I just wanted to know how big is your team? We're not even that big. We're probably around anywhere between 15 and 20. Yeah. That's it. So it's a mid-sized mid organization. So I actually cut you off. I just wanted to, to clarify that. No, that's uh, okay. Would you yeah. said, looking forward, your team, any, anything other, anything else that you feel like are keys to success in this kind of space? Um, saying yes. You have to just be willing to say yes to a lot of stuff. Because... You know, the interesting thing is that when, when the world gets flipped upside down with COVID and all these different things, that means that people are willing to go with new partners and work with people that they don't necessarily have a very deep relationship with. Whereas before, previously, when we were doing like just regular marketing, digital marketing, it would be very difficult to get a foot in the door to work with organizations. I mean, we just did an event with um, the NFL Players Association um, about a month ago. Um, we worked with um, University of Southern California's, um, their whole suite of business schools um, a couple of months back in December. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> it would take a year or more to just get your foot in the door with organizations like that. But when you're yeah. willing to say yes, and when you're prepared to say yes, um, and do events in a very short period of time, that's when opportunities become available. But if you're unwilling to say yes, and if you're if you're not prepared to say yes, um, you're going to miss out on a ton of opportunities. Sure, that's so cool, man. And I, and I, I can think of people already who I know this is the podcast who are that way. They're like, man, I want to start a business. I want to do this. And so hopefully they heard you. Think ahead, you know, make sure that you've got a great team and, and then be willing to say yes. I do want to ask this question, and I know we're kind of getting close to time here, but in in your uh, experience, I mean, you, you've been running this company now for almost four years. Um, has being a, a female, I mean, you're, you're black and you're female, which I think those two add context and texture to, to your leadership that not everybody will resonate with, but, but has being a black female leader of a company, uh, has that been something that has, uh, let me say, have you felt like it's hard? Have you felt like there's certain things that you'll struggle with or deal with because of your, you know, your ethnicity as well as your, your gender that, that you feel like, man, this would have been easier or have seen being easier for, for male people? Mm -hmm. and, and if so, can you give us an example of it? Yeah, I mean, earlier on, when I was, before all of the event stuff, um, I remember I was at a hotel, uh, and I was, it was uh, in a hotel lobby, and meeting with a client, and we had our laptops open, and we were um, clearly in a meeting, <laughs> and this older um, white lady approached me with a, uh, you know, like the plastic bags you get from the grocery store? Um, she approached me with kind of like a wrapped up plastic bag and was getting ready to hand it to me. And she asked me if I could put that in her room for her. Um, and the, my, my, my client is a, 
an older uh, white gentleman. And um, he was just shocked. I was... And, you know, like, my initial my initial reaction to things is very much a, like, oh, how can I help you? Kind of, like, you know, just wanting to be, you know, a, a good neighbor, you know, like, my posture is always very much like, a, oh, let me open, like, let me help you open that door, or, you know, um, just trying to be helpful for people, and so I initially yeah. kind of, like, I, I see her approaching, and I kind of, like, change my posture to, like, show her that I see her, um, and then she starts to hand me this thing and and then when she tells me that she's like hey can you put this in my room for me I'm I like <laughs> what <laughs> like I don't I don't work here I mean like literally I think I'm wearing something like this I'm wearing like you know clearly you know how like hotel staff usually have like a uniform and they have like you know like a jacket that they wear with like their name badge on there or whatever and I'm just like whoa really come on lady yeah so um that was a situation that was just kind of like come on um yeah so you know that something like that stuff kind of sometimes happens um I think people assume a lot of times like I don't go around saying I'm the CEO of St. Rock Media you know I don't I don't really care. Um, it's funny, though, that people do tend to assume that they'll say, like, what company do you work for? Um, and I'm like, St. Rock Media. And then they're like, great, like, who's the owner? And I'm like, I am. <laughs> so, you know, there's a, there's a, there's kind of the assumption that there's kind of sometimes this natural default assumption that I'm not the owner of St. Rock. Um, yeah. Even for them to like care about who the owner of Saint Rock is, that's that's a strange con. Like, what does that have to do with you? I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, but then also, um, more recently, there's been some situations with some of my, um, you know, with with some people that I work with, and I think that, you know, the more that people can get to know you, the more that they can try to use what they know about you against you a bit. Um, and, um, you know, I am, like I said, I am, I, I try to be, I'm, I'm a very like direct and, um, usually if I've made a decision about something, I've thought it through very thoroughly. Um, yeah. and yet, um, even sometimes like most of the guys that are, that work on my team are very, um, they're just like humble guys and, you know, they're just cool guys. Sometimes I do see a bit of a, um, where there is a, sometimes there's some pushback and, um, sure. and I'm just like, what is that about? I don't know if there's just a, uh, like an ego kind of thing or wanting to show that you know better or whatever. Um, yeah. But sometimes I have to put people in their place, <laughs> um, and you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, will, I'm not unwilling to like learn or like reconsider things. I actually, I, I do that all the time, um, but I can tell sometimes when there's just a being difficult for the sake of being difficult, and I'm just like, yeah, that's yeah. a waste of time. Sure. Yeah, and I, and I knew I had to ask because I, I. I I couldn't imagine you being as successful as you are, not having had some of these situations. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I think it's something that I, part of why I ask is for awareness that people know that this happens. Uh, but it's also for myself to be like, man, I, I hope, you know, I hope I'm not the guy who pushes back when a female leader is in my presence and they're trying to get stuff done. Yeah. I hope I'm the type of person who just says, you know, anyone can, anyone can take the role, uh, especially in a, in, like, in a corporate space, like, you know, St. Rock Media, it's like, man, that, that should be pretty clear. Um, but this is this has been so good, Ken, and I feel like you've, you've honestly been so so honest and so real with you, with who you are and your story. Uh, and I, I almost feel like, man, we've, we've just kind of touched the surface <laughs> of, of where possibly questions and, and conversation could have gone. Um, but I, before, we, before we kind of end, 
uh, I do want to say thank you so much for your time and availing yourself. Yeah, no, thank you for that. You are in the throes of a very intense uh, business, and, and I really do appreciate you, your story and your lessons. And I, and I really hope that this this will help uh, you know people who listen to this to learn a thing or two. Um, and I, I'm going to end on a question that I end on with, with all the guests that come on the podcast is, is what would you like to say in light of our conversation? What would you like to say to young people to help them thrive in life as well as in their yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that, I mean, if, if, if even just from this past year, um, maybe, maybe two things. One, um, God does have your back. Um, I think that that's important because if you are starting a business, there are going to be plenty of times where you feel insecure, where you feel low, where you don't feel good about yourself. And it's important to know that God's got your back. I think the second thing is that part of um, God having your back is the simple fact that you have the Holy Spirit. and You have to listen to the Holy Spirit. There's no other way to be successful. There's no other way to be successful both in business and in, in your life as well. Um, you have to listen and obey the Holy Spirit. So if you're not, you know, really good at like hearing the Holy Spirit, that's something to really focus on and practice and, and even praying to the Holy Spirit to make his voice more, more clear for you. That would be my advice. Wow. That's awesome. Kayla, thank you so much for your time and, and all the best with uh, Central Media and all the endeavors going forward. Thanks so much, Remo. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for listening. For more thought-provoking conversations, subscribe to the Rima Klale Life and Faith Podcast. Please like, review, and share so that we can continue to help others thrive in their life as well as in their faith.